What up, Misfits? Welcome to the Misfit Heroes Podcast. My name is Chris, and together we are going on a journey. Misfits, if you missed it, a few episodes back, I mentioned starting my own nonprofit with the idea that if my podcast was to inspire others to help change their community, then I better be doing it also myself. So I floated the idea of starting my own nonprofit. Unfortunately, I know exactly pizza emoji about starting a nonprofit organization. In Spanish speaking countries, we call that Cerro or Nada. Note to self. Don't speak Spanish on an English-speaking podcast. With that being said, I needed to enlist the help of someone that had even the slightest bit of knowledge more than I do on the matter. And boy, did I succeed. Did you know that 82% of all nonprofits that start in America fail to get off the ground? And it's not for what you might think. Money, not trying hard enough, and the will to do the work. Nope. That figure surprised me. My guest tonight is far more advanced in the nonprofit arts than this young grasshopper. Jen Yarborough earned the nickname The Grant Guru and has over 36 years in the nonprofit sector. She's written books, written over $400 million in grants, and she's been involved in every job capacity of the nonprofit sector for numerous companies. And she agreed to speak with little old me to answer all my noob nonprofit questions. If you ever want to start a nonprofit too, have I got the person for you? Misfits, please welcome Jen Yarborough. Playing the Misfit Heroes podcast. Jen, welcome to the Misfit Heroes podcast, The Grant Guru. I'm very excited to talk to you. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for inviting me, Chris. How are you doing today? I am doing fantastic. The idea that I had a couple episodes, and Misfits, if you haven't heard this, go back and check about two episodes ago, but we had an idea, and it's about creating a nonprofit of our own. And this whole podcast has been about inspiring people to create change in their own community. And I was thinking, you know, how am I supposed to inspire others to create change in their community if I don't inspire change in my own community, if I'm not doing the work myself? So um, I got the idea of starting a nonprofit. And here's the thing. I know this much about starting a nonprofit. So (laughs) (laughs) So I needed... I needed the grant guru to help me out. So I'm very excited to talk to you and talk about how you can help people out. And I have, I'm sure like every one of your clients, I have about a million and a half questions. But uh, before we start talking about me, let's introduce people to you a little bit. So you've been in the game for, from what I understand, like 30 plus years. Is that right? Yeah, actually going on 36 years. Um, I have been in the nonprofit realm. Uh, I started, you know, as a teenager working in a nonprofit for my uncle. I was doing donor calls and donor solicitation. And I, you know, it was my summer job. I didn't really understand all that I was doing, but I was, you know, pretty comfortable having conversations about the work that we were doing. Um, And then I went to college. I went to graduated from college and a part of my uh, work assignment was to do a grant and I was doing an internship, fell into it, fell in love with it. It was funded my very first grant that I wrote. And I really had an opportunity to make connections, the connection of the nonprofit and the benefit to the community. And it's like a bug. It, it was something that I fell in love with. I was on my way to law school and changed my career course and just really wanted to learn more, build more and grow more in the nonprofit field. And so it's been my entire career. I've been an executive director. And in fact, I've held every single position in the nonprofit. And um, I love the work that we do as a community. And I'm just happy to, to share with anyone how to do it and how to do it for sustainability at the, at the level of being fully funded at the level of really putting together strategies and plans so that the funding is there for programs and operations. Um, that's my, that's my thing. That's what drives me and, and keeps me going every day. Well, fantastic. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad I'm talking to you then because <laughs> I have little to no experience with this, but one of the things that I was impressed upon to talk about was the sustainability aspect mm-hmm. because a lot of people, I've, I've actually talked to a lot of people in the podcast where they get started and then all of a sudden it's like, 
how do I keep this going? I'm pulling all this money out mm-hmm. of my, my out of my own pocket. I'm doing it all myself. Mm-hmm. And um, the idea, like I said, is the sustainability aspect. Be able to mm-hmm. stay in business once you get started. So um, I, I've I've listened to a lot of your content. I've been listening to your podcast pretty much all day today. It's 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 uh it's uh, so great content. You you really have a lot of good information, and you're very knowledgeable about what you do. So kudos, really. Thank you. Thank you. Certainly. So let's talk about your background a little bit. So what was the first nonprofit that you get started with your uncle, you said? It was the NAACP, actually. He was a president of a local NAACP. Um, But prior to that, I was introduced as a child through Girl Scouts. I was a brownie and I was a Girl Scout. Um, And that was the time that as a child, that organization really impacted my life. I was growing up in a town of Beloit, Wisconsin, a very small town in Wisconsin, where I was, um, my family was the only family of color on our street, in our school. Um, And so I didn't have a lot of friends. And so this organization that my mother put me in really helped surround me with a program around leadership, around um, friendship and communication. Now, fast forward to when I'm an adult and I actually go work for Girl Scouts of the USA and the national headquarters of Girl Scouts, really then making that connection of how this organization builds leaders. And at that time as a child, you know, all you want is to have friends. But I can relate to the passion of change and transformation in people's lives where you may not see it immediately. I'm a product of a nonprofit. I'm a product of a program that really instilled in me mentoring that I didn't recognize as a child. But as I grew up, all of the things that I learned came back. And that's for any nonprofit anywhere. Our work as a group as an organization and as a business is to transform lives. We get the opportunity to touch generations, right? So as a child and to me now being a woman of a certain age, really being able to relate what I learned as a child to today, I think that that shows the benefit of every organization. If you're working with homeless, if you're working with veterans, if you're working with those who are disabled, you get an opportunity to really change and transform not just the immediate person that you're speaking with, but generations, the people that come behind us, the things that we learn, the resources that we share, we get to share with others in the community. And so our business is so unique. And I know most people start it because of passion. Um, but if we can position ourselves to be strategic and then profitable, profitable not because the focus is on the money, but more on the impact. If we're able to show and share our impact, the money is not the problem, if that makes yeah. sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, I noticed I noticed listening to your podcast that that was sort of the focus on a lot of the content that you create is because you're really trying to get people to be interested in your nonprofit because of the impact that you make and not necessarily because of you know, what you're what you're doing for the community, but how you're changing your community based on your actual nonprofit. Can you Mm -hmm. delve into that a little bit further? I mean, how does that sort of apply to to somebody that just gets started and says, you know, hey, I want to go help somebody else? Like, how how does the core of that apply to that that thought process? I always tell people that we don't start our nonprofit, um, which is a community-based organization. We need to be clear about what a nonprofit is. A nonprofit is a community-based organization that engages the community, that benefits the community, that gets its support from the community, that serves its community. So if we go into it with the mindset of community, our passion then, our intention and our mission is should be on how can I benefit the community? through whatever program we're dealing with. If we're dealing with homeless, if we're dealing with veterans, how does this improve the community? The people that are in our programs, and many times people start their programs because they want to do the program part. They want to do the feeding. They want to do the clothing. They want to do help with the housing. They want to do the mentoring. Those are activities. Those activities are and should be designed to benefit the community. The people that support our work are not in our program. 
right? So our donors, our funders, the people that uh, would partner with us, they don't see the program components each and every day. They don't see the nine to five or the, you know, the, the, the daily activities that we do in our program. So how do we invite, engage, inspire, influence them to share of their money, of their time, to volunteer, to partner with us? We show them how the work that we do is improving the entire community. Their resources help us improve our communities. Many people start thinking, I'm going to start, I'm going to build this amazing program, and then donations are going to fall from the sky, right? People are going to give me grants and they're going to give me money. But people give to people, right? In every and any aspect, people give to people. So the connection of why would a person What would inspire a person to give of their hard-earned money? What would inspire a person to work all day and then come volunteer for four hours on the weekends, right? They are inspired by what's important to them. They say, this work and this cause is important. And I think it's important, so I want to give my time. I think it's important, so I want to contribute. So if we can make the connection of what we do, and connected to the people that believe and see and value what we do, the money is not the problem. They're going to give of their time. They're going to they're going to volunteer. They're going to offer how to help. But what drives that decision is where does my money go? It's in the impact. By supporting this organization, we are not only able to feed individuals, but we're also able to guide them, give them the resources so that they're able to get a job, maintain a job, and support themselves. That's important, and that's the that's what they support, that end result, that impact of changing them from needing help to now through our programs they no longer need our help. And now we've got room to help others in our community. So it's that ongoing vision of change that we inspire, engage, and motivate. I say to people, I really talk about money when we're talking about our nonprofits because people will put a value based on what's in their budget, based on what they have, based on what's available to them, But that value is gauged upon how much difference will I be able to make with this contribution? And so if we share with them that, they will then, they'll ask how much you need before you even have to mention money. If you tell them that we've been able to put, you know, 400 people to work and we've been able to help individuals come and transition out of prison and go on to get their lives back in order and to support themselves, they're like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. How do you do that? You tell them how you do it and we're looking for people to join us. Will you join us? Will you partner with us? Will you help us continue to do this work? And they'll say, yeah, what do you need? And then they give, right? But we make it more about the activity of what we do. Let me tell you what we do as opposed to, let me tell you the impact of what we do. I kind of say it's like like McDonald's or it's like Starbucks. I don't want to say anyone's name business-wise and get in trouble, but you know, (laughs) the, the point is this, you've got a product and our product is impact. Our customer is our donors and our funders and our community supporters. They come into our business and they say, tell me about your impact. Tell me about what you do. And we say, we make a difference in this way. We can show you through our testimonials. We can share it with you through the photos that we share. And we can tell you through the stories of change that we've been able to affect. And they're like, oh my gosh, you not only are a good steward, not only do you have a great program, I think I want to align with that because it's important to me. I think this product is important. So they give. You tell them how you spent the money. You tell them what great work you were able to do with their contribution. And then you invite them to continue to support you so that we can continue to do this great work that's important to them. They don't give because of what's important to us. They give because I think this is important or I can see how we can make a difference and I want to be a part of that. So as good customer relations, we continue to share and cultivate. Everyone gets those letters in the email, you know, those letters in the mail that say, thank you for your support. And we've been able to do, you know, make these amazing changes. And you feel good about that. 
people feel good about making that difference. And that's what promotes and prompts them to continue to give. Yeah. Giving is an emotional decision. It's not a logical decision. And if we can show that we care about the donor and the community's interest, that's why we started our nonprofit, because we saw a void. We saw a gap in service. We saw an opportunity to improve our community. And uh, that's why people give really quickly. It's like a love language, right? We all have love languages. Donors have love languages as well. They give for different reasons. And some give because they're investors. Some give because they care about our community and they take pride in our community. Some people give because I've got so much to give. I want to give it away. Some people give because um, if they think it's the right thing to do. All of those are ways by which we want to be in relationship with them. And we want to give them back what, again, is important to them in relationship. I would love for nonprofits not to feel as if they're in an island by themselves. But if they can engage, invite, involve, be an influence in the conversation of what's at stake if our organization does not do this work then we show ourselves as valuable. And we are. Our missions matter. We just need to um, be proud and give everyone an opportunity to be a part of it. Well, yeah. One of the things that I, I wanted to go back to a little bit is is the whole community creation aspect of this. You know, a lot of people, and this may seem like a very basic question, but it's really, it's, it's where I'm coming from some square one, okay? So bear with me. <laughs> but... <laughs> but um, it, it seems like, you know, it, it's kind of a chicken in the egg situation. You know, you start this, mm-hmm. it's like, it's like one person has this idea to branch out and then you sort of begin creating this community of people with that. Now, is that the right way to handle it? Is that how all nonprofits start? Or is it basically, I mean, when does the whole community creation aspect of it come into play? Like, what is the timeline of somebody that wants to actually start a nonprofit? It's at the beginning. So when I have my idea, I'm looking for people to join me because we can't do it by ourselves. No one can build a house by themselves, right? right? So we look for people who either have an interest in what we do, either they have a direct um, experience in what we do, or they know something about it. They also see the problem and they see our program or our nonprofit as a solution, right? So that is a, a key relationship. The second is the person who has the influence, who is a decision maker, who is one that sees what you do is important and connect you with others, either other businesses, other individuals, other foundations that can help do what you do because they also see the value in it. So you're surrounding yourself with people who play a significant role in sharing the importance, the the mission, the vision of what you do. More people talking about it. Now you're getting into more ears, drumming up more interest. So it's at the beginning that you have people who want to give of their time. Yeah, I can volunteer. Others who say, I have influence. I know people that I can connect to help you make, you know, grow, grow out your base of, of supporters. Then you've got people who say, I've been, in, I've experienced this problem. And I can be the person of ex- to go out and say, yes, this is an, a bigger issue than one or two. I am evidence of what a program like this can do for the thousands of others in our community. So you've got someone who has experience, someone who has influence, someone who has uh, direct, direct um, contact to the cause. And then you've got people who have the funding. Right. They have the funding. They see the importance and the relevance. And so those are things that should start in the beginning. Those, you know, on the piece of paper, when you when you file the 1023, they list them as board members. I don't necessarily think that everyone needs to be a board member. But even in that, you are connecting yourself to people who are interested. Now, the question always is, is Jen, where do I find those people? Where do I find people that would be my ideal donor? Or how do I find people that would be my ideal board member? Or how do I find people that care about what we do? We start talking about it from a place of impact. We start talking about it from a place of this is the problem and our organization is going to solve this problem. 
And we're looking for people who will join us in whatever capacity that they're able to do it, be a volunteer, be a supporter or both, right? But we're saying we recognize a problem in our community and we have the solution through our program. And this is how we're going to measure our effect and our competence and our impact. And so we're looking for people who will join. And those that see that as important, they'll raise their hand. They will self-select and they will say yes. Now, they're brought to you because of what's important to them. They're saying, yes, that's important and I want to be a part of it. We give them the evidence of our impact and everybody shares what's important to them that's working. They'll go out and share their influence. So if you've got people who are part of that nucleus in the beginning and are willing to share the importance of the work, the value of the work, be the connector of that work, that's how the network of supporters spread. What generally happens is that the person thinks it's only important to me and their four or five friends and they fear telling others about it because they fear they're going to reject it or they're not going to like the idea or maybe they won't support or maybe I'll be bothering them. And so there's a stat that says 82%, 82% of nonprofits fail because of that, not because of money, not because there would be support. In fact, you would get more yeses if you show the importance of your work than if you keep silent, right? So People who ask, where do I get started? How do I start? You start by sharing the impact. You start by talking about what we're going to do. We're brand new. We haven't done it yet, Jen. We haven't started our program yet. How do I tell someone our impact? You tell them what your plan for impact is. You tell them that we're going to be serving this community. This is how long our program is going to last. This is what they're going to look like when they come into our program. And after our program delivery, this is what they're going to look like when they leave. And in their being changed, affected, impacted by our work, they're going to be able to contribute to our community. Crime is going to go down. Businesses are going to be built. Um, graduation rates are going to go up, whatever it is that your area of influence or mission, it's going to improve the community in a significant way. That's what our business is, is impacting community. So being able to connect the idea with the plan and the strategy of sharing the impact of that idea is where you begin. People say yes, because you do have a plan, you do have a strategy, and there will be change, then they don't feel like I'm wasting my time or I'm wasting my money or I'm doing something that's not working, right? But if we can show them that value, then there we are. Does that make sense? It certainly does. It certainly does. I believe you're getting a phone call. <laughs> I know, of course, the phone in the house is ring, right? That's all right. <laughs> no, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. <laughs> Do you need to, do you need do you need to answer? Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. And I thought no one calls, no one ever calls. Of course they call today. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's all good. That. No worries, no worries. So as you're saying all this stuff, did you ever see the karate kid? Yes. Okay. So in the in the karate kid, and in, in any 80s movie, really, they always have a montage, right? And everybody's getting getting started and they're learning all the techniques and all the stuff of all their things and they're talking to all their people. And then there's always this point at towards the end of the montage where somebody's like, you know, their mentor is like, is like, okay, now you're ready to do this. Now, now you've you've learned all the stuff and now you're yes. ready to go. So can you explain? I mean, once you've got the connections with all the people um is it is it when you start talking about money that you start thinking about actually filing paperwork and creating a nonprofit, or at what point should you sort of take that next step the next step should be taken after you realize this is the problem that our organization is going to solve and this is how we're going to solve the problem how we're going to solve it is the program the program is the activities. We're going to do mentoring. We're going to do coaching. We're going to have resources and classes. How we're going to do that? How long is that going to take? Is that going to take six weeks? Is that going to take 10 weeks? Because that's where the money is. 
the money is in who's going to deliver those services. How long are they going to deliver those services? What's required for those services? Is it workbooks? Is it photocopies? Is it materials? Is it other uh, resources that we have to purchase? So once you understand the problem, you understand what the solution is and the activities that you're going to implement, that's how you come up with the budget. The budget says, do we need a program coordinator? How often, you know, how many hours is this person going to need to do the program and what materials and supplies? Once you now understand what it is you're solving and how you're going to solve it, you come up with the budget. And the budget, it may be, you know, we need a space, then that includes rent, lights. Do we need insurance? Do we need equipment? Do we need uh, phones? Do we need computers? All the things that are going to be necessary to help run the program, those activities, and the organization. Once you itemize that budget, now we know how much we need to raise. And the, the, that's the expense side of the budget. The budget is expenses but we need to have revenue to cover the expenses, right? That's how we balance the budget. Most organizations only think about the expenses and really struggle with where does the revenue come from, which is why they mostly spend money out of their pocket because they really don't understand that it's a business that is set up to have multiple streams of income. Like with most businesses, you don't go into a restaurant and order one thing. You got dessert, you got salad, you got appetizers, you got water, you got all these things that help generate revenue for your experience. For the nonprofit, you've got grants, you've got individual dollars, you've got events, you've got corporate support, you've got in-kind, you've got major donors, you've got bequests and other things, right? So you've got about seven or eight streams of income that are designed intentionally to help you generate the revenue to fully fund your organization. Most only know two, maybe three. They know corporate support, they know events, and maybe grants. Not so much individuals, major donors, or other things that uh, would generate revenue on a regular monthly basis. And like with any business, you got to have money every day. And so we look at how you are generating revenue and areas that that spigot of revenue is not turned on and and really focus on those areas. So it's really a lack of knowledge, not money. Uh, The nonprofit is the third largest employer, the third largest revenue generator behind technology and retail. And so the flow of money, even in times of crisis, even in times of depression, nonprofits thrive because we do the work that government cannot do. We do the work that businesses cannot do in supporting our communities. You know, back in, you know, a year and a half ago when all those cars were lined up needing food, that was nonprofits. When they needed help and shelter, those were nonprofits. And so our work every day is valuable. And the value that we offer people to see in our impact. And we tell them what our goal is. We tell them that we're looking to raise $50,000. And by raising this $50,000, we'll be able to serve, you know, this many hundreds of people. And we'll be able to help them in this way to get on their feet and da-da-da. People are like, yeah, that's important. I want to be a part of that. So we, we articulate the value of what we do by the clearness of the clarity of, of impact that we offer wow. and people will give. And there's multiple ways that people can give. They can give in more than one way. They can come to the event and be a major donor. And if they have a business, they can be a corporate sponsor, right? So just giving people the ways by which they give, they'll self-select. But many times we don't, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know. But many times we don't know how, effective and um, realistic. I mean, they're set up. The the government sets it up to where the nonprofit can raise money in these ways and the the community gets a benefit in that tax write-off for for being a part of it. But we sometimes just aren't aware. So my job is to try to bring people into that awareness. To be fully funded is not an impossible dream. It's just a strategy. It's it's a clear plan. Yeah, I I, I definitely hear. I mean, you obviously know what you're talking about. 
um yeah i mean the, the whole the whole time i'm like i'm like wow i haven't thought about any of this stuff you know i i wonder with your clientele with new people that you speak with i mean is that a common thing i mean do you do you often have to like hold a lot of hands and, and teach a lot of people yeah yeah i bet i do I do. And it's, it, it is the being, bringing the reality to the passion, right? The passion will drive you only as far until you can't do it by yourself, right? You have to have the community. That's how it's set up. And so when we exhaust our own revenue, we take from our home, we take from our own personal budgets, um, but we don't invite, we don't invite entire community. I mean, many of us are serving huge counties and huge states and huge regions that if we were more visible and vocal about our impact, we don't have to ask for money. We can just share the impact and those that see the importance of what we do, see the evidence of what we do, they will give. That's where the anonymous donors come from. That's where those people who give, um, you know, who, who, who heard about the work that we do and, and start giving. It's very much like a crowdfunding. You know how they everyone's like, oh my gosh, crowdfunding, crowdfunding. Well, what is that? That means that a person ran across your post or ran across your campaign and they were inspired by what they saw and they contributed, right? We get to do that every single day. And we spend 90% of our time on the program as opposed to spending the 40% of our time on program, 40% of our time in talking about the impact of our program, and then that 20% of cultivating those relationships. And if they gave once, we want to thank them and invite and encourage them and show them how we value their relationship to inspire them to continue to support us. So it's not a one-time check we're chasing. We're wanting relationships in our community with people who see and value and want to join us in, in this work. And it's the building relationship part that I think is a huge disconnect. The money is not separate from the person, in my view. Right. So I want the person. I want the person who, if they can give me ten dollars, they can give me a hundred dollars. If they can give me a hundred dollars, they can probably give me a thousand dollars. Right. So I want the person. I want the person to see the value because once they see it, they'll become our evangelist. They'll go out and tell people, I support this amazing organization. They're doing great work. I'm so happy to be a part of what they're doing. They will talk for us on our behalf. If we do that cultivating work, and so there's usually a disconnect between the dollar, the person, and the cultivation, and I try to build out that whole pie in a way that's that's doable, right? It doesn't take a lot of time to share with people what we do. It doesn't take a lot of time to invite people to see what we do. Um, it takes less time to do that than to ask a thousand people for a dollar. Yeah. If I only had 10 people who were able to give me a thousand dollars or 20 people who could give me $500, I don't need a thousand people. I just need those core people who see and believe and want to be a part of something that's important to them, not just to me. I hope that makes sense. It certainly does. And I've never heard it. Um, I've never heard it explained that way, but it actually makes so much sense. You know, it, it kind of speaks to the idea of the nonprofit in general, that whole mm -hmm. relations, that relationship and creating that community, you know, mm -hmm. that actually, you know, in researching about nonprofits, first off, I'm I'm so excited that I have your expertise to sort of go to with this because honestly, I mean, in this age of social media and the internet, the first place we go is Google and for mm -hmm. for Google to have so much information, what a complex way to just get yourself into so much trouble. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like it, it's 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 like I can just see where I would just epically fail immediately when when that happens. Mm -hmm. But you know, because of that relationship aspect of it, um, that that does bring me to another question. One of the things that I recognized in googling all this stuff is: is it best to sort of start your own organization or 
should we partner with one that's already in place as sort of a nonprofit spo- sponsorship? I've, I've seen that as well. What's, what's the better option? If the work that you're interested in doing is already being done, then join forces with something that's already in place, right? Um, and, and leverage your connections to make that impact greater. I don't believe that everyone needs to start a nonprofit. Now, this is the truth. Sure. I think that there's a lot of people who want to do the work. I want to make a difference. I like that feeling, the endorphins I feel of volunteering. You know, I, I, I like that feeling. And so I want to start my own so that I can be in control of when and how I do it, right? That's how people in their mind, but they fail to recognize that it's a whole business. You've got an EIN number, you have registered with the IRS. It's a business. And I kind of say to people, Let's look at it as you like to bake cakes. I love baking cakes. I love having people enjoy my cakes. But now I've built a bakery. My nonprofit is now a bakery and I got to have supplies. I've got to have customer service. I've got to have employees. I got to have staff. I got to have cooking. I've got all these things I've also got to manage. But all I wanted was to bake cakes. I don't want to run a bakery. Right. And we build a bakery and we don't really want a bakery. We just want to bake cakes. So I say to people, if there's someone else that's got the bakery already built, go over there and help them bake those cakes, right? And enjoy that. Does the work that we do fill a void? Is it necessary? Is there a demand for it? Not just driven from what I want to do, let me build it and then they will come. Because I can't tell you the number of organizations that have spent so much money building something that they were inspired to do, but there was no one to come to be a part of it. There wasn't a need for it. And I say to people, because it's not there does not mean that it needs to be there. Because it's missing doesn't necessarily mean it's necessary. So I tell people that, you know, I tell them all the time, listen, you don't have to start this. Go over there and partner with them. Be a partner, be an influencer, be a part of expanding what's already there. If that's your heart, if your heart is to make a difference. Now, if your heart is, I want to own it, I want to be the executive director, then I say, well, then you need to get ready to start mopping floors and cleaning tables because you're about to build a whole bakery and it comes with more than the program. You've got customers, which are your clients, which is your, you know, your donors, your supporters, your funders, the time it takes to manage it, the time it takes to fundraise for it, the time it takes to cultivate relationships. And if you're a person that doesn't feel comfortable speaking in front of others, if you're a person who doesn't believe that others will, you know, that, that you can have conversations with other CEOs, it's going to be hard to get support for what you do. So as a leader and an owner of a mission, it's more than what you want to do. If it's already being done, I tell people all the time, don't build another bakery. And when I give them the bakery scenario, they, they're like, oh, yeah, I don't think think I want to do all of that because that's where people get burnt out. That's where people want it to be done quick. They go to Google. How can I raise money? Money comes from people. Very simply. I got to talk to people. I've got to build relationships with people. If I'm not comfortable doing that, that's where money comes from. I've got to talk to businesses. I've got to talk to individuals. I've got to talk to corporations. I've got to be seen and vocal. And those people who that's not their niche. I say, don't start the nonprofit. Nice. Well, that that is actually surprising to hear. But I, I'm I, I tell you what, man your your uh, your 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 nickname, the the guru. <laughs> it, it just fits. It just fits. You're hitting so much. You're hitting so much. You know, um, let's have that uncomfortable conversation, though. I mean, because that that's that's fantastic. I'm surprised that 
in, in this day and age of everybody just wants to grow, 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 grow. You don't hear, you don't hear that. Wait a second. You know, and not a lot of people hear that. Everybody hears the, I want to get started and go do this and go now, 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 but they don't have anybody to tell them to stop. So with that being said, let's have that uncomfortable conversation. Yeah. I'm sure there are, you know, potential risks within, you know, within doing that. I mean, so the first mm-hmm. thing that you start seeing when you start Googling is like 501c3 nonprofit and all this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Are there other nonprofit options or, you know, are there other nonprofit options and are there are there risks inherent with creating this nonprofit business that we're talking about? So there are different codes or designations of the nonprofit. Most are the the 501c3. There's the the C4, the the the, the B4s. Um, there there are several varieties. It all comes down to the classification of the money, right? Um, the IRS is giving benefit to individuals and businesses who, who support these nonprofits. So the classification is only that. It's just a designation that you are tax exempt, right? And so as a for-profit, you, you are not tax exempt. So it's a classification. You pay taxes, this group doesn't. This group that does not pay taxes, they are contributing to the community and doing services and providing things that we as a, as a government cannot do. So we're giving them a break because they're doing work in the community, improving communities, improving the lives that we cannot do. So we're giving them this designation because they have a benefit of value to a larger community. The for-profit, what do they do with their revenue? They take their money and they expand their business or they pay higher salaries, they're going to pay their taxes. On the nonprofit side, the designation of nonprofit, what do we do with our profit? Our profit goes back into the community. We expand our program, we grow our program, we duplicate our program. So the profit that we make, you know, we we pay our salaries, we pay the people who are doing the work, we're paying the people to administer the work, we're paying our bookkeeper and all the things that keep us legal. But the work, the profit that we make, out of a dollar, 30% of it can go towards running and operating the organization, 30, 35%. Then we're able to grow our program, right? So both ends of the business need a profit. Both ends need money in order to operate. Many times people start their nonprofit thinking, oh, I'm a nonprofit. I'm not supposed to make any money. I'm supposed to give it all away. I'm not supposed to, um, I don't want to feel like I'm begging. I don't want to feel as if, you know, I'm in need, I'll do it all my, but it's not designed that way. It is designed by and for the community, right? So the, the, the downside is that if a person starts any type of business without understanding the financial requirements and opportunities, you can get yourself hung out in, on either side of the spectrum, for profit or not. So the bookkeeping is important. The, um, Evaluating our services and our benefit is important um, and our integrity because we're using the community's money. We're leveraging the community's resources. And so our our customer service, our integrity, our transparency is a big pitfall if we are not honoring the resources that come outside of our business to support our business. So that's usually the biggest pitfall is that people think I can take the money and I can build me a whole building, put it in my children's name and it's mine. When in fact we are a community organization, it's not owned by anyone. It's owned by the community. It's a community building. Right. And if I retire as the executive director, someone else is going to come in and continue to run it because it belongs to the community. It doesn't it doesn't belong to a person. It belongs as a community organization. So the board is another piece. The board is there as a partner to the executive director. Some they're not paid. They they come because of their passion, but they come because they also see the value in the work and their role now in the community is to say, I'm a part of 
that system that oversees the finances, that ensures the program is operating integrously, and that um, your work and that your finances are being stewarded well. That's the role of the board, to be that fiduciary, making sure that the money is going where it's supposed to go. And, and the, the, the government is saying, we can't manage all of these, all of these nonprofits. So this board is in place to ensure that the public's money is being stewarded well, and they want to help the executive director do greater work because the work is great. That's why they're on the board. They see the value in the work and they want to help spread the value, the importance, the significance, the trust, the build of trust of the community to say, this is an organization that you can support. I'm on the board of it. I, I'm very close to the executive director. I can attest to you that the work that we do is important. So the board helps to build that influence and trust on behalf of the, the community. And what happens is usually people, as I often say, they put their dog, their cat, their fish, their mother, their father, their brother on the board. But these individuals have no influence, have no reach, have no experience running the board or speaking about the value of the board in the community. And so that's a big problem for a lot of organizations is that they're frustrated with their board, but the way they set it up, they wanted to keep it close. They wanted to keep it close to the people that they knew and didn't involve or think about how to involve the community at large. Again, that disconnect that I'm a community-based organization. I need my community. I need to build relationships. I need to show influence. I need to show ourselves as an expert. And as a result, we've got little recognition. Very few people are aware of what we do, not sure of what we do or how to support what we do. And that's where the money is. If no one knows what we do, know the value of what we do, know how to be a part of what we do, there's no way they're going to give to what we do, right? So bringing that awareness of community and setting it up, intending and showing how to do that community reach. And, you know, um, Uncle Google is amazing, <laughs> but Uncle Google has never run a nonprofit. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it it shows too, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like if I put in another question and it gives me a thousand options oh, yeah. as opposed to the answer, yeah. you know, and I spent now three weeks and I still I forgot what my initial question was. <laughs> and <laughs> Well, Jen, this this yeah. has been super informative and I and I I I knew I knew I knew you were gonna you were gonna have a lot of information and a lot of lot of explanation. So I mean, thank you so so much for what you do. So first off, Miss Fitz, if you haven't subscribed to her podcast, Nonprofit Nuggets with Jen Yarbrough, go check it out right now. Because if you think this is informative, everything she's had on there previously has been primo. Primo, I have learned so much from your podcast. And you've also written a couple books as well. I'll put links Thanks. to all that stuff inside of the show notes so everybody can check you out. What's the best way to contact you? Is it through your website or do you have a Facebook or social media or any of that stuff? What's the best way to find out about you, Jen? Google Jennifer Yarbrough. My website is JD is in David Yarbrough.com. I have a community on Facebook called Nonprofits Impacting Lives. And so that's a community where I put daily tips and tools. And there's probably hundreds of videos of me talking about some subject of the nonprofit startup or fundraising or grant writing or something related to this, to this topic that's in there. Um, and then on my website, I offer lots of products and services that people can download if they want to learn on their own and, and do things like that. But I just want people to know that if you have a passion, to change lives. Your mission matters and it matters to the people that we connect with. And so I just invite people, you know, be encouraged, learn what you need to grow a, a thriving business that's funded and fully funded. And once you know what you need to know, go out and get fully funded and, and have amazing work. I, I believe that the work that we do talk touches people. That's what drives me is that we get to change lives of people. And so that's what wakes me up every day. And uh, I'm excited to be here. Thank you again, Chris, for this opportunity to, to speak with you.
Certainly. Well, I mean, it's been a pleasure, really. We're getting close to the end of the podcast, and at the end of every episode, I like to make people think a little bit. There's always a pause after I ask this question, so get ready, because it's coming, all right? (laughs) It's one question, two parts. What was the last goal that you completed, and what's the next goal that you want to set for yourself? The last goal that I completed was expanding my agency, Um, I wanted to be able to serve more people. And so I I expanded my agency and um, I was really excited about that. My next goal is in 2022, I want to help 2000 nonprofits. I want to help them put together a clear strategy and a plan and a path for sustainability. I feel that if I can impart key information and knowledge to help them lead better be better stewards in their community, that they'll have greater impact. And so that's my personal goal going into 2022 is I want to set my company up so that we can serve more uh, nonprofit leaders to help them be better advocates and supporters of their communities and living out their passion. That's my personal goal. Well, that is a hefty goal nonetheless, <laughs> but I believe 100% with your, <laughs> I believe 100% with your knowledge, you'll be able to take care of it. I, I am fully confident in that. Mm-hmm. How did you expand your organization a little bit? We've expanded our team where we've hired more researchers to help us to be able to identify grants more quickly. Um, and then we hired a component where Uh, My assistant now does a lot of the submitting of proposals. That's a big hang up for organizations where they want to find grants, but they don't really understand the process of submitting them. So we've expanded into that area. And then I'm doing more training on how people can learn to write grants. I learned to write and I say, you know, if you don't want to hire a consultant, learn how to do it and make it a part of your core organization. So we expand the team so that we can provide more services. And uh, my agency is a one-stop shop. So we do everything from board development. We thought it was important that people could come to one space and get everything that they needed as opposed to hiring someone over here, someone over here. And then it was disconnected because I believe everything works together and not in a silo. So um, we, we created our agency, expanding it with the expertise so that we could better serve our, our nonprofits and give them the confidence in knowing that what they needed, they could come to me. If they had a problem, they could come to me. If they had a problem with their board, with their writing, they wouldn't have to go to all these different places and try to figure out how do these people talk to each other or communicate with each other. Um, and so that's what we did. We hired more writers more researchers, and then we put in several components to better serve our, our our leaders. Well, that's very exciting. And I think, Misfits, go check Jen out. I mean, she clearly is very knowledgeable. She knows what she's talking about. And I'm excited that you came on the podcast to talk to me. I think we're going to have a, a lot of conversations in the future. So I'm very excited to talk to you. Thank you again for coming on. I'm going to go ahead and wrap this part of it up. And again, Misfits, go check out Jen's website, jdyarbro.com. She's got some books on there. Um, she's got a lot of helpful information. Jen, thank you again for coming on to the podcast, and you have a great evening, okay? Thank you. You as well. Take care. Well, Misfits, we did it. That's our episode. I want to thank you so much for listening, and thanks again to our sponsors. If you want to support any of the sponsors, there are affiliate links on the Sponsors tab of our website at www.misfit-heroes.com. You can also find links to all of our social media there, so follow us for immediate up-to-date info about the podcast. Please, Misfits, if you enjoyed this podcast and you want to help me out, do me a favor. Hit the subscribe button down below so you're notified of new episodes as they're released, and make sure to leave a rating or review of the show on Apple Podcasts and YouTube. Truly, Misfits, I love you. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, be kind, love one another, and be a hero.